Okay, we are in Sefer Megillat Esther, Perik Gimel, Pasuk Aleph, Achar Hadvarim Ha'ele Gidel Hamelech Es Achashverosh Es Haman. So today we are going to see the last piece of the puzzle, the last element necessary now to put the Purim story on its inevitable trajectory, and that is Haman. So let's begin. After these things, what things? Well, for one, we saw at the ending of Perik Bays that the plot of Big Son Viserash to assassinate Ahasuerus was overheard by Mordechai, reported to Esther, in his name, who reported it to Ahasuerus in his name, and he was inscribed in the Book of Chronicles, which would be read later, that sets off that part of the plot of Mordechai needing to be rewarded. Two, the very ascension of Mordechai into a, a like advisor, a cherished advisor of the king, and three, of course, the ascension of Queen Esther to the throne of Persia. So after this is all put in place, He shows, Ahasuerus shows, Haman ben Hamdasa Agagi. Agagi is an Agagite named after King Agag, the king of Amalek that show uh, I don't want to say stupidly, but tragically, let's live, despite the orders to eliminate everyone from Amalek. And we learned in the Malachim that they somehow smuggle a woman into his jail cell where he propagates, and out of that union comes Haman's line, Haman Agagi. So, interestingly enough, by the way, if you're symmetrically involved, Binyamin, who was a descendant of Shaul, who let him live, now is got the power, or will have the power to eliminate Haman Agagi, who his ancestor mistakenly allowed to live. But before the question on the uh, Gemara gives us a beautiful measure of this thing, how everything is in place. Esther is ascended. Um, Mordechai's ascended, the plot uncovered. Let me read this, it's a very famous Gemara. Achar Advarim Ha'ela. Omar Rava, that after he did all this, uh, he, he first got Esther settled, Mordechai settled. So Omar Reish Lakish, as Reish Lakish said, Ein HaKadosh Baruchu Maka Es Yisrael Ela Imkain Bore Lahem Rafua Tzechila. Kaddish Baruch Hu does not afflict Israel until he sends the remedy first. Or that old Yiddish expression, I feel, is that the refua comes before the maka. The cure is put in place before the illness. And that's what he did to set it up. So now, Haman is raised by Yinaseyu. The king raises him. By Yosem es kiso al kol hasorim asher ito. And he raises his chair, his chair being Haman's, above all the other peers of the realm. They sat, let's say, in judgment or on certain state matters. 
they would be equal, but Haman was raised above all of them. So the question is, who is Haman? Why is he getting this preferential treatment? There are very interesting and very diverse Mephoshim. Some say Haman was um, a very wealthy man, that he became wealthy through pillaging and looting Judea and the temple, but there was no question that he was very wealthy, and as we're going to see, very clever, and the king genuinely liked him, and the king may have contributed to his wealth. On the other hand, the Mephoshim say the king distrusted him absolutely. And one of the reasons the king raised him after he appointed him, there are metrics that show Haman was a barber. He was someone who cut hair in Shushan, and so the people all knew him. He was their barber. And so he had to do something to raise the man to show he had credibility, and so he raises him above all else. <coughs> Excuse me. V'cholav <clears> de <throat> and all the servants of the king, Shebeshar HaMelech, were in the king's gate, that's where they sat in judgment, or that's where commerce was carried on. Korim u'mishtachavin l'hamon, bow to Haman, prostrate themselves before Haman, ki chen siva lo HaMelech, because that is what the king commanded. <clears throat> and that could be part of the bolstering him up. Mordechai lo yichra lo yishtachavan. Mordechai, remember, was in the king's outer gates, uh, will not bow to him. He will not bow to him, the measure says, two reasons. One, that Haman was declaring himself a deity. He wasn't going to bow down to a man who's claiming he is, he is a, a, a god. Two, that Haman deliberately wore on his garment his own personal icon, his Avodazara. And Mordechai could never, he couldn't, he wouldn't be allowed to bow down to it. It's Yaro Biel Yavor, that you got to die first. So Mordechai would not bow down to him. And these other servants of the kings see this. Uh, why are you not obeying the mitzvah of the king? Continues by Yehika Amra love Yom Yom, and they repeat this ritual every day where they say, How come you're not bowing? And moreover, not only wouldn't he bow, but there, there would be other ways you can acknowledge someone, you can, you know, sort of gesture to him. He wouldn't even do that, nor would he hide his glance from Haman. Metri says that he would, Haman would look him in the eye and not budge. And contrast this, Mordechai had a wonderful reputation of greeting everybody in the Chatzer. He was a very affable individual. It stood out that he would not even bow to Haman. He's not listening to him. He's not changing his behavior. So they tell Haman, because Mordechai had told him, or somehow they got the knowledge, that he, Mordechai, was Jewish. So the question is here, it's a double thing. 
Did they tell him, Haman, finally, because he was Jewish and they hated his guts, or did they tell Haman to see if this Mordechai can get away without bowing and prostrating? Why couldn't they? Because they were no more crazy about Haman than Mordechai was, and so they're waiting to see, you know, which way the wind blows. So, they love Yom Yom. He doesn't listen to them. They tell Haman. Vayar uh, Haman, and Haman is furious. He ain't bishnash I'm sorry. He's got Mordechai Korei. He sees Mordechai's not bowing. Haman Haman is filled with fury. He is reluctant. He doesn't think it's worth doing, really, for him himself to deal with Mordechai, to take vengeance on Mordechai personally. Moreover, the sentence completes it. Because they have told him, as I'm Mordechai, Mordechai is a member of this nation of Jews. By Yavakesh Haman, Haman's got bigger game in his sights. By Yavakesh Haman la Hashmid, it's called His goal is the total annihilation of every Jew in the Malchus. In Mordechai, I'm the nation of Mordechai. He doesn't just want Mordechai now, he's expanded it. So, how does he go about it? Also, the Gemara tells us. Haman was the most brilliant anti-Semite there was. No one could slander, as we're going to see, Haman, uh, as Haman could the Jewish people. So he decides to take a wider scope of vengeance. B'chodesh HaRishon, Chodesh Nisan, in the month of Nisan, B'shnash Shemesrei, the 12th year of the king, we saw the beginning of the Megillah takes place in the third year of the king where he takes Esther. So he's now in the ninth year uh, after that incident. Lamel he peeled poor. He cast lots. Who are the royal, like a lottery, Lifnei Haman, they do before Haman. They don't say who does it, but it is, his son, one of his sons, his name, as helping him along with this to do a lottery, as we're going to see why. Leom umi chodesh, la chodesh nemosahu chodesh ador. He does it in, uh, it lands on the month of Adar. The um, Adar comes out for, in other words, he does the month first before he does the day. That's the point. So it comes out on the first of Adar Mephoshim, say he is thrilled with himself. This has got to be a sign from the heavens. Why? Adar, he knows, and he was not a bad biblical scholar. Adar was the death of Moshe Rabbeinu, Zion Adar. And so this has to be a terrible month for the fortunes of Israel. Perfect draw for the lottery. Let's do the day next. But what he does in all his wisdom is miscalculate. Adar was also the birth of Moshe Rabbein. Zion Adar was his birth and his death. So it was the birth was not a bad schooler for B'nai Yisrael. Now Haman approaches the king. And as the Gemara says, there was no one. 
as skillful as slander. And what this dialogue between he and the king is nothing short of a masterclass on classical anti-Semitism. He does it brilliantly. The Mephorshim show how brilliant it is. So let's begin. Vayomer Haman Lamelech. Haman says to the king, Achashverosh, Yeshno Amechad Mephuzar Mephurad Beinu Amim Bechom Medinos Mephusecho. There's a nation. They're scattered. They're spread out among all the nations and provinces of your realm. But their ideology is different than your nation. They're really not doing what the king follows. They don't follow the same laws. And the king doesn't have to tolerate this. And we're going to do it, if not today, tomorrow, the Gemara, that shows just how skillful each phrase is. Because he's saying they don't contribute a thing. They have their own laws. And he even goes further and says, look, I'll give you an example. We're going to see. If they get a fly in their wine cup, they flick out the fly and continue to drink their wine. If you, Achashverosh, touch their wine cup, they will spill it out because that, of course, is Yayin Neseh. We'll continue with this. But, If it is pleasing to the king, Write now a proclamation to destroy them. And at that moment, I am going to give you 10,000 skolim of silver that goes to those who will do the work. You don't have to lift a finger. That those who will carry out, and believe me, there will be people happy to carry out this order, and it can go into your treasury. To put in your treasury. So the king, obviously was aware of the Jews because he calculated the end of the... Gullus. Right. So doesn't he have like more considerations than, hey, they, he knows what they do. I mean, he, he should know by now. And, you know, there's, there's commerce, there's, there's a lot of diplomatic things that you would normally have, right? All right. And, and he doesn't really consider, doesn't seem to consider anything. All right. So then I am going to leapfrog a Gemara that um, I was going to save for tomorrow, but let's do it. Amar this is Megillah, Daf Yud Gimel Ahmed Beis. Amar Yeshno, let's even go back. Rava said, Amar Rava, Leika Dayam Lishna Bisha Kahaman. There was no one as skilled as Haman in slandering the Jews. For he, Haman says to Achashverosh, let's destroy them. Achashverosh's first reaction is, Quite frankly, I am terrified of their God that he won't do to me that he did to my predecessors. I'm terrified to start with them. 
They have been negligent in their observance of mitzvahs. In other words, they're in a bad state with their God. He's not going to punish you. Wait a second, says Achayish. They've got very respected Rabban leaders who do follow the mitzvahs. They're not without protection. Does this start to answer your question? He's not so compliant. They're one nation. In other words, if you're going to say by killing the Jews, I make a, a bald spot in your kingdom, it'll be depopulated. They're scattered abroad among the nations. And if you say, as he does, wait a second, there's a lot of benefit from them. I know what they do in commerce. I know what they do with taxes. This is not the case. Then mefurad like a mule, pered is a mule that does not bear fruit, does not uh, procreate. And they're unproductive. The classic anti-Semitic, they're living off the land. They don't produce anything. And if you're going to say that a small province is made up of them, why would I want to destroy my own province? It says that the Jews are in all the provinces. Um, and their laws are different from yours. They don't eat from our food. They don't marry our women. They don't marry our women to their sons. And they don't observe your laws. And in other words, they waste the whole year avoiding your work. This is a classic with the excuse, today's Shabbos, today's Yantif. They're, well, they're not productive. They're not even working. And it's not worth of you to tolerate them. They eat, drink, and, and mock the malchus. And then he gives them that example we discussed of the fly. So that is the dialogue. And the Vilna Gong in his parish on Megillah Esther brilliantly records the insight that nowhere in this dialogue does the word Jews, Israel, appear? It does, it's as if they know what the other is talking about, and you don't even have to say it. Nowhere do you know does it appear that these are the Jewish people. By Yosad HaMelech is Tabaso, the king listens to this, and he takes off his signet ring, giving it to Homa. Uh, in other words, removing the signet ring just says here, I want deniability, but you do what you have to do. It is interesting, the Gemara reports almost sardonically, not almost sardonically, that all the Nevi'im in the world that had prophesied, some 47, I think they say, could not get Israel to do the Trila and the Tshuva, the signal act of his removing his ring. They go into total Tshuva that Cumulatively, none of the Nevi'im could do, but more of that later. And he gives it to him. He gives him the signet ring. Keep your money. I don't need the money. 
For Amla Selspo betold a necha, do to this nation what is pleasing, what you want to do. So, there's a great medrash that says it's compared to a guy, one guy has a, a ditch on his land that he can't do anything with. The other guy has a mound of dirt that he can't unload on his land. And they want to make a bargain. And the guy says, wait, I get it. Let me put my dirt in your ditch. You use my ditch to unload your dirt. I'd fill up my ditch with your dirt. We're fine. You don't have to pay me a thing. That's tantamount to the bargain Haman and, and Achashverosh are drawing. They both want to kill them. They both found each other, each one having the element the other is missing. Keep the money and do what you want. Now, and now they picked the date, the 13th day of Adar. And it will be, they will loot them completely after they kill them. Fortune say, why doesn't he say take their money first? Because he knows that they're not going to do, once they got their money, they're not going to go through with the killing. He wants them to go through the killing. Okay. Let's stop there. There's some great misfortune. I would be negligent if we didn't go over. And there's more to come on this deadly chapter of Haman getting Ahasuerus to do his thing. The day will be set. The hour will be set. Um, in Hashem, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow. Be there. You will not want to miss it.